0: ever wonder what it's like when mr spock gets a little randy we'll find out in this very special retro episode of st not another star trek podcast coming at you right about now space the final frontier
1: Wonderful, wonderful. Hey, welcome everybody to STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast bonus hey, episode.
0: I love a bonus episode. Did you,
1: hey, 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 Jimmy, did you know that we're, we're, we're uh, recording a very important way back bonus episode for the fans?
0: No, I didn't know that. Thank you, Commander Davey Dave.
1: I am Commander Dave, E Dave, and with me is. Ambassador Andrew, Jimmy's dad. Yeah, not not that any of the tests. I mean, we're going on Jerry Springer next week, but I'm feeling pretty confident. You know that uh, Jimmy's best friend happens to be Harry, and Harry loves to do calculus and carve dolphins. He hates to do calculus. I know, I know. What we're doing here is presenting you, the fans, a very special episode of our show. And Andrew, yeah. I don't know if you remember this because it's it's probably like a, a three plus, maybe even four years now. Yes. But when we started this, we wanted to tackle Star Trek The Next Generation. And before we went in, we wanted to practice. <laughs> and we said, let's practice by rewatching a few of the Original series episodes.
0: If you listen to our early episodes, you can hear, even with all of our careful practice, it's it's kind of rough sledding here. You know, we're we're learning, we're growing, we're developing, and uh, not only on the technology side, but on right. the whole show right. structure side. And they're still fun episodes, but
1: they're a little rough. And this one... I, I think it's rough in a fun way. It is. And you can see, you can well, you can see, you can't see, you can hear how we, we have evolved quite a bit. This very first episode was a little slower. It it's, doesn't have the punch that our season three episodes have and, and season two. And, 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 and we've come a long way, baby, as that cigarette ad used to say.
0: This episode reminds me of what STTNGs would be if recorded by Lego the Proto-Vulcan hey and you know it's (laughs) filled with really blunt awful haircuts burlap clothing okay and and what
1: about what about the three stooges bowl cuts well i mentioned the the Uh, did you okay sir i did all right see even after all this time we're still clicking we're not perfect man we're not perfect Hey, find another god to worship, okay? Okay. Gods.
0: Find find more gods to worship. We're going to float semi-transparently outside the Enterprise
1: like the god of the Justice Planet. Semi, semi-transparently? semi That sounds like Data's uh, fluid that he consumes. <laughs> you know, the one thing that I know has developed better
0: in, in our later episodes is the quality of our impressions, because our Shatner yeah, impressions, I think our absolutely. Shatner impressions, if we had kept going... If we had done an original series, we would just be. they would be a perfection now. But those are what? pretty rocky.
1: What do you mean,
0: Andrew? Why must Spock die? Why in seven days? Bones, explain. I will say <laughs> that the, the, the way Dave I'm has spent that. the last twenty years working on Picard imitations, well, I worked we- on a, a a Kirk imitation, and yes. mine it's is not nearly as good as Dave's Picard, which tells you how
1: bad it is. Well I think oh, thank you, I guess. But but I think what's funny is that is that we've spent like seventy 70- Three four hours of like actual airtime that you have heard with uh, the cutting room floor stuff probably being the same length. So I've had a lot of time to develop my my wonderful Picard impression that that everybody so enjoys. But it, it, listen, wherever you think my Picard lands, it's way better than it was when it started. And and you're right, I can't help but think in a parallel universe uh, where we run a, 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 another podcast. What would we uh, call it if it was? We just call it Star Trek. Not another Star Trek podcast. Not I don't know what s- we would call it. That that our Kirks, both of our Kirks, are really excellent. Yeah. So, Dave, do
0: you remember way back when? I mean, we're we're we, Dave and I have known each other for for decades,
1: decades, a
0: long time. Lord knows how much of that time we've spent just like going on and on about different sci-fi television and movies or or comics.
1: all these things. And we have been talking for years about collaborating because Andrew and I live a a long way apart. So we started really talking about
0: the idea of this podcast back in in late 2019. We thought about different podcasts we could have done, like comics. And we even thought about doing a Fantastic Four re-read
1: podcast. That's (laughs) good. Because if you think about it, a re-read would be like Reed Richards. You could do R-E-E-D instead of R-E-A-D. We could have called it re-read Richards. Oh, my God. Let me put that on my vision board. I'll be right back.
0: Come back next week for not another Fantastic Four (laughs) podcast. Oh, my God.
1: We're really selling this episode, man. The one thing we somehow landed on was Star Trek The Next Generation, a thing that we are passionate about. We could use it as a platform to talk about All of these things we like, Uh, you know, uh, pop culture, uh, sci-fi, nuancy dated crap that that we'd like to go back and revisit. And this seemed like a good launching pad for something like that. The Bristol feces scale. Yeah. Anybody that's hung in here with us for the last three seasons would know that there sometimes is a focus on stool. And one of our early ideas was a uh, Bristol stool scale podcast. Yes. Not another uh, poop emoji podcast.
0: The Bristol Stool Scale is a diagnostic medical tool
1: designed to classify the form of human feces into seven categories. Andrew knows shit that you don't. Liku did not know that. Andrew and I are both fans n- not necessarily members of this club but fans of things that are furry or, or uh, 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 people who are furries I
0: don't know that I'm a am a fan of furries I I think that's I'm saying
1: that you like I'm a fan of uh, observing them and enjoying that they exist even though I I do sometimes wear around a furry suit I'm not necessarily part of the culture known as furries you're you're like Diane fought. Faw- you like to get in and penetrate the culture yes and and blend in, right? I, I've been known to uh, scritch, but in my furry exposure, I found that I did not uh, authentically scritch uh, other furries, so I was not let into the into the. <laughs> I cannot wait! I cannot wait for you to have to edit this. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the gold happens, man. You don't know how much of this stuff I actually keep. <laughs> so we began doing trial recordings in 2020 right. with two
0: episodes of the original series because we thought... You know why
1: I remember that, Andrew? Why? Because I was there.
0: Yeah, excellent. And we 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 went with a couple episodes, two of our favorite episodes, Mirror Mirror, right. starring Goatee Spock and another Vulcan favorite, Amok Time. That's this one. They're not only favorite among the Vulcans, they're favorite of those of us who... Love the Vulcans, and we're we're a pair of Vulcan files. When Dave is not busy following furries, and I'm not busy analyzing your
1: stool, mm-hmm. we like to we like to talk about Vulcans. I sometimes get what what you would call a vulcrection when I listen to these episodes. <laughs> I'm very
0: interested in Vulcan stool. I mean, I, I just I find it. What if there's a Vulcan
1: furry? Do you think Vulcans have furries? Oh, absolutely! Vulcan furries are called mugatos, <laughs> right? So let's enjoy a muck time—an early episode of
0: STTNGs. Not another, another Star Trek, Trek
1: podcast coming at you right about right about now. Now,
0: and welcome to Star Trek TNG. Jesus Christ, not another podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm Dave. And we're just two guys who love Star Trek. Hey, Dave? Yeah? Can you tell me something about how you first connected with Star Trek?
1: Well, I was in middle school in the Bay Area. The Bay Area is the official home of Starfleet. I think you know this. San
0: Francisco, yes. Federation Yes,
1: yes. In my little Bay Area town, they played two episodes of Star Trek every afternoon. So it was it was. Star Trek heaven for me. And I watch them both one by myself and one with my mom. Then when they were like the kind of sexier episodes, like, um, you know, the one we're talking about tonight, uh, then I'd be embarrassed. You know, they'd cycle through the series. So I got right. a, a good three runs of everything. And so you could kind of guess what was coming next. Right. So
0: like on the original series, you had the gamesters of Triskelion, where they're sort of in bondage gear and Kirk is making oh, yeah. out with that yeah. sort of moon faced woman.
1: What, is that the one where she's wearing, like, foil
0: clothing? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's it's their brains in a jar, and they're betting oh, right, right. One million Quatloos on the newcomers!
1: <laughs> the, uh, the cage. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's yes. one of the sexier episodes ever with a dancing, right. um, you know, green woman.
0: Oh, and the creepiest, I think the creepiest one is the one where the, they go to the fake Rome and those people have mind control powers. I forget what that episode's called, but that's the famous interracial kiss between Nichelle Nichols and William Shatner. Oh, yes, and, that's right. And they're sort of forced to perform sexually for these people. I felt right.
1: I think that is that's season two. I think, I think it was the next episode after a mock time.
0: I will tell you that oddly enough, I was watching it with my father huh. and you know, my dad would, would work night shifts and then on, Saturdays and Sundays, he'd just like watch a lot of TV and not want to be bothered or force us to do yard work. But we would always watch Star Trek. He loved Star Trek. He loved all kinds of science fiction. And I don't remember really caring what he thought about an episode or thinking like, oh, that's really sexy. I feel funny in my pants. <laughs> we just watched them and we just thought they were horribly cool. You know, God, I was uh, 10 Eleven. We even had a uh, Star Trek cartoon show for a while when I was a, a kid. It was on Saturday mornings. We watched that too. Yeah, I so we went Star Trek crazy. It's not like now where there's a million sci fi shows.
1: No, no, that's why it was so cool. I mean, it's it's hard to look back at it now and see how. I mean, some of it still holds up, but it is it is really dorky. And I've shown it to younger people who think it's ridiculous. Well, because it
0: is. I was watching it with my wife, and she was just dying. At some points, because it's just so goofy at times, yeah. But it, it's the 60s, they got like maybe the equivalent of 20 bucks, right? There's no CGI, and it was standard def.
1: There's right. stuff that you never would have seen when you were watching it on your little uh, you know, it was black and white and, and my parents' right. house, and they for it's we're viewing it better than it's ever been viewed before, right? Right? I mean, the stunt doubles are clearly stunt doubles. There's, they're not very
0: subtle about it.
1: Well, it's amazing when you think about, you know, like somebody like Tom Cruise hanging on the side of a plane and, right. and and whatever is going on in the Screen Actors Guild, they wouldn't even let these people <laughs> grapple with each other. It's a, It was amazing.
0: There's a clear sense, too, that for Leonard Nimoy, Web Shatter, this is a TV show. We're going to do our thing, and then we're going to go on with our lives. There certainly wasn't any of that weird culture that has built up around That's not only true. this show, but other shows. But someone like Tom Cruise is he any different from the person he is in real life when he's in these movies? Right. There's plenty of situations where he's like diving off his yacht to save other people and stuff like that. Right. I, I just think that guy's a little big. <laughs> Let's get to the actual episode that we're going to talk about, which is called
1: a mock time,
0: a mock time, a mock time. It's season two, episode uh, one. Yes. And And Dave, did you know that this episode was actually, there wasn't, The kind of fandom there is today but there was pockets of fandom and and they were in contact with gene roddenberry the creator of star trek and they were very excited about this because at long last we were finally going to get to see vulcan
1: oh man I, I waited so long. I, I just couldn't wait for that. Really? No. <laughs> Who cares? Oh. Did well, you no, care? Spock was the big breakout character of the first series, right? Yeah, I I mean, we're, were sitting around going, yeah, I'd love to see his home planet. I wonder what it's all about.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, the, but the mystery of the Vulcans, uh, right? Yeah. The way they fetishize him being a Vulcan is so weird in this show. Yeah. Dr. McCoy is one of the most racist individuals to ever be on television. and He makes Archie Bunker look like, you know, a left-wing liberal because he's constantly going out about, well, you cold, green-blooded blah, blah, blah. He's like, really?
1: You pointy-eared so-and-so?
0: Yeah, yeah. And it'd be very easy to put in other racial characteristics and see how (laughs) those are problematic statements.
1: Who do you think he was representing then? I mean, was he every other? Was he everybody? Yeah. Yeah.
0: He's every other. He's the exact opposite of humans. He's also used as a mirror, an analogy to us, and it's just sort of cheeky and we're like, ha, ha ha. But the other thing I want to point out about this episode that's important, this is your first Pavel Chekhov. This is Mr. Chekhov's premiere. Oh. So yes. we,
1: we did not have Chekhov in season one?
0: No, sir. And is as that a matter true? of fact, as a matter of fact, Gene Roddenberry got letters from people talking about the role and said, how can you have a space show without a Russian? After the role the Russians have played right. in really being the first into space, the first man into orbit, you know, and our primary adversaries in the in the space race. And then of course the idea that the Cold War should be resolved by then. So of course you need to have a Russian on there to indicate that harmony makes sense. And I has did that, not that terrible joke. I think I'm going to get space seek. Oh, oh, check off. You are a national treasure. And then finally, the other interesting yeah. thing about the episode I want to note is Celia Lovsky, who plays DePow. De Air is De Air. What can be done? That's uh Peter Laurie's wife. Wow. So that, there you go. That's what we call trivia right there. But I gotta tell you, that that thing you said about like who wanted to see Vulcan, everybody wanted to see Vulcan in, in this sort of fan area. And then all they saw was like nothing. <laughs> all they saw was like this red circle the 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 kunat calife you know with a really odd shaped gong you didn't know what to expect and for it to be so barren and unrevealing as to what vulcan life might be like was like you've got to be kidding why would you set this on vulcan and just have it be like in a a dust bowl lounge right. or something instead of actually showing us what this damn planet looks like.
1: But I got to tell you, when I was a kid and I saw that red sky, yeah, I just thought that was the coolest thing. I, I thought, how, how, how did they make the sky so red? How did they get this, you know, backdrop up so high? Mm-hmm. It's a big stage they're on and they've really yeah. got this big, if you look on the internet, you can see pictures of kind of arcing red top that they use, which I right. thought was really cool. That There was some depth to the scenery, especially at that time not having a lot yeah. of sci-fi stuff to see it was pretty cool.
0: When they did a lot of stuff with those backdrop screens on that show because that's basically all they could do. They didn't have green screens or anything.
1: I know it's a cheap effect but I still think it's kind of a cool practical thing that you Oh no, I'm I'm
0: I'm a big fan of it. I think it worked really well for what they had. It's like, well, what did you want? You know, we're not going to he wants to go to New Mexico and build Vulcan for you. Right. We got like 20 bucks. It's a television show, for God's sake. Right. This particular episode, especially in the series in general, fetishized his Vulcanness. It's like a big deal that he's a Vulcan. And everyone's all like, ooh, Vulcan this, Vulcan that. Starting with the Vulcan pomique soup that Nurse Chapel the makes. Chapel makes, yeah. That's one of the things that drives me crazy on this show. And they do this a couple of different times in this episode, is when they say Vulcan pomique soup, Who would ever say that? Oh, this is Earth fried chicken. Right. She's in the hallway, and McCoy says, you know, what do you got there? Oh, Vulcan pomique soup. And I'll bet you made it yourself. McCoy being like the biggest asshole on the ship humiliating this woman. Yeah, it's uh He takes particular delight in that, and in fact, calls Kirk back. Hey, Jim,
1: come here. Watch this. Look at what this dummy brought in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then he says to her like, "Ah, oh, you never learn, do you?" I was watching that, going like, it was making me scared. Like, what's going on behind the scenes? Like, this is what we're seeing on camera, but <laughs> what's going on in the, like the medical babe between those two? Yeah,
0: it's it's pretty, it's pretty messed up. Yeah, well, and that's Gene Roddenberry's wife. You know, I know, and the computer, Angel Barrett, the voice of the computer. Yeah, and she'll be Luxana Troy.
1: They definitely had to <laughs> repair that when TNG came along with a female doctor.
0: Yes, yes, yes. That
1: was obviously right on the top of the
0: whiteboard, right? Which that didn't, you know. We'll, when we get to TNG, we'll talk about some of the politics of that crew. That drives yeah. me crazy, you know. For all the sort of racial progress they made in the show, they're a real stone age when it comes to their treatment of women. Oh yeah, but this this thing with the Vulcan. So so he's got a weird, different mating cycle. They've got these weird. Rid- Rituals, and I believe he says they're uh, rituals shrouded in antiquity. But none of what the Vulcans are doing here is particularly weird, because we we see throughout the the series Kirk going nuts over women. Only he does right. it more than just once every seven years, right? Right. And wedding rituals. I mean, Earth wedding rituals are, aren't exactly transparent. No one's going through the Earth wedding rituals and saying, oh, I know why we have that veil on her.
1: I can't remember if it starts here or if or if they've already kind of toyed around with the human side of Spock, where, where people love seeing him not be so stoic and right scenes where he's laughing or, you know, he cracks a little smile at the end of the episode. I mean, there, there were little yeah. small hints of that here and there. But then in this in this episode, he you know breaks down and becomes emotional
0: well and this is this is kind of what they pattern data on right this notion that you know Spock in every way is presented as better than we are he's smart definitely smarter he's in control mm. he's physically stronger if you need someone backing you up, you know who you want just this this the Vulcanness of him is so impressive and people are so impressed by him and are are attracted to him and moved by him and things like that. Of course, he's not superior to us because he's an alien. Right. And it's the same thing with data, right? I mean he's he's super smart, super strong, super fast, will live forever. Right. But he'd give it all up to be human.
1: <laughs> he's just a dumb machine. Yeah. Right.
0: Because what now? What advantage does it give you? So I I that 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 part particularly interests me. This weird tension that goes on with Spock and his vulcanness.
1: Yeah, that's, that's interesting because I think the arc of Spock, I mean, there's, there's no real arc on the TV show. You can make the same argument for Data. I mean, there's not that much that's ever done with him. Right. The original show didn't know they're going to turn into movies someday where they could work some of that stuff out. But next gen certainly did. And they held off on whatever they're going to do with Data too long, really, because they never really did it. Right. No, they blow them up. Sorry, Data.
0: (laughs) It's, it's like they really enjoy forcing Spock to be emotional. And that moment when he is so happy that Kirk is alive, first of all, that it's an opportunity for McCoy to mock him, but it's also, right. see, he really is just like us after all.
1: Well, he is half human, though.
0: They say the Vulcan blood is thin. Are the Vulcan or are the human? <laughs> that was a nice moment, too, because she's so disgusted by the humans.
1: I didn't expect a quote from her. How nice.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm loaded, man. I'm loaded with quotes from this episode.
1: Yeah, all mine are all mine are definitely Kirk-oriented because I think he had some of the stronger ones. And I can't do, I can't even get close to doing a Spock. There's no way.
0: I mean, going back also to the sexism, poor Tapring. I mean, come on. Talk about a miserable freaking life. Right. You know, she's not happy that this dude's gone all the time. She's got hunky Staun to love her. She's yeah. trying to negotiate her way out of this horrible situation. But of course, she's meant to look to us just like a stone cold bitch.
1: There's a scene where Spock has got a knife behind his back. I never saw that until this, that was a pen. this viewing. It's a pen?
0: It's a pen. pen. we're in Spock's but love den, where he's got that red velvet yeah. curtain in the back and that yeah. weird uh, incense burner.
1: I thought that that room... It was so for as little art direction as there was. I thought that that room was really well done. That that to me looked like a Vulcan room. That's what a Vulcan would be okay. hanging out in, like in nineteen sixties,
0: sixties, nineteen, yeah,
1: hookah lounge or something in the right, back. Right. there.
0: And he's playing his auto harp. But I
1: never. But he has. So he has this pen. I guess behind his back, he's going to stab the captain with, maybe. Right. I never knew how deep he was, you know, in this is, in this Vulcan heat of his until until this episode. He made the pond far. Yeah, deep, deep, deep pond far is what was going on. And then what happens is Kirk kind of—I think it—I think was some misdirection. But Kirk goes behind him a bit, and he—he should have been able to see the knife, but he—he pretends like he doesn't or whatever. That was interesting to see how he was how far Spock was willing to take it to get that ship to Vulcan, and then he hijacks the ship really, yes, which is pretty bold move. And then
0: he beats the shit out of that monitor. I mean, come on, that's our Federation Dollars oh, yeah, right. at work there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and that's a scene that always makes me laugh. And I know it's supposed to be, oh, look how out of control he is. But that that thing is clearly made of some sort of clay or something.
1: It, I was trying to figure out what that was. It was something inflated. Yeah, but he just beats the hell out of that thing. And it's not the monitor's fault. No. No, the, all those scenes
0: in, in Spock's room, those conversations with Jim and Spock, it's so awkward. The way they do it is really funny.
1: Yeah, you can tell they're playing around. Right. They're having a good time. Right.
0: So we could talk about dilithium crystals. We could try, but we can't talk about the fact that you know Spock has a seven-year boner. Spock, I'm asking,
1: what's wrong? Yeah,
0: Spock. And and you know where did you think little Vulcans came from? He's a science officer, for God's
1: sake. Well, yeah. Don't you think there should have been some better planning? Like maybe he could have just uh, stepped out for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Why did he have to hide? <laughs> I mean, he knew this was coming his whole life, Yeah, right? yeah, but he he
0: thought he'd be spared. He hoped he'd be spared.
1: Oh, because of, that's because of the the, 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 the Earthblood. Yeah, blood but he thought that, the Earthblood would spare see. him,
0: but, you know, if anything, the Earthblood should make it worse, don't you think?
1: I get, well, apparently that's what happened. Yeah. Right? Winona, Winona Ryder's his mom waiting back there on... Where is she? Well, no, is she the Vulcan? No, she's, no, no, the, she's Vulcan on the Vulcan. That's the... Sarah. Sorry, well, how can I say that?
0: She's the Vulcan mom in the movies, uh, the the Kelvin, what's called the Kelvin timeline. And I'm trying right. to think of the name yes. of the woman who plays
1: Jane White. Jane isn't it, isn't it like... Oh, yeah, so I was, was going to say like Barbara um, Billingley. Or no, 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 no.
0: <laughs> Barbara <Jay> Billingley. <laughs> it, it's Barbara <Eva laughs> <Billingley's mom.
1: laughs> Yeah. mom. Yeah. Yeah. I was first going to Donna Donna Reed was the first one. I'm like, that's not right. It can't be Donna Reed. <laughs> Barbara Billingley. Hugh played.
0: Beaumont plays Sarek.
1: There's a great ride um, up in the elevator. I think when they're on their way to the bridge yes. before Spock does the smash right. in that ride. Uh, what I love is that they start this music, and the music in this episode is great. I know we're going to talk about that. There's that battle, the famous battle music they hear later mm-hmm. on starts up. Like the drum beat of it starts when they're going, going up in the elevator. It's like den. da 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 But it's not intense. It's just, <laughs> it's just in the background right? <laughs> when you, when you, when you know it's coming. Yeah. It's like oh oh, there it is. Yeah, and then the Spock theme right the do right do the
0: Spock, do right. it's just a this bare bass line that they just right. they just sink the bass on it and then well it's like there's a couple of times where or there's i think there's one time where Spock's little little baseline then gets cut by the little stinger for the enterprise so it's like <laughs> do you know <laughs> so it's so well done though i mean i like it it's such a contrast and that's a great no, signature for spock and they use it a couple more times in the series every time he's you know like in some weird spot or weird emotional moment they'll pull it out again
1: well on, on checkoff what was going on is that a wig is that what's Oval happening
0: checkoff is I, that's a good question if that's a wig or just he just have crappy hair and they combed it all forward
1: Oh, but it looks like such a, I don't know if it was a Beatles nod or something or what, yeah. but it was, it looked like a full on wig. And I, I know like later on in the, in the movies and stuff, yeah. he's got a wig. I think, but I think, I not right. know it started. I think it is sort of a, so young.
0: Uh, a Beatles nod, you know, cause he's also, I mean, not only is he Russian, but he's young and there's a couple right. of different episodes where he's the one courting. Any particular woman, like the Children of All episode, he's the one with the uh, girlfriend. And then there's one episode, the OK Corral episode. He has a girlfriend. And I don't know why they're trying to take some of the, the heat off of Kirk. Or if they're just trying to say, don't worry, other humans are horny, too.
1: Right? <laughs> what do you think they're doing in space all that, all that time? That's pretty
0: lonely. It's a five-year mission. And they don't have a be. holodeck.
1: Oh, the holodeck. That solves a lot of problems.
0: I mean, it's built around the navy. The idea of the navy, so there are a bunch of randy sailors,
1: space sailors. Yeah, through this after the hijacking and all that, they decide they're going to go to Vulcan. Yes, Bones is the one that has to convince Kirk that it's a life or death situation. Yes. He'll he'll die, Jim.
0: Why will he die? Why in eight days? Bones, explain.
1: Spock's got the this little Vulcan girl up on the monitor yes. on, in his room. Yes, and I I was I couldn't understand what that. I mean, I mean, the subtlety was lost on right. me that that was his that that was his child bride. Right, I guess.
0: right. When they were seven.
1: Right. What are we looking at here? I don't understand. It's a creepy moment. They they haven't sent any space email or anything to each other over all those years. It is
0: a weird moment. It's like you, you don't have an update on this.
1: But I just wonder if back then, back in the in the olden mm-hmm. days, you just assume that was her from the picture. Right. Like you know, nobody was sending anything, right. and people were calling people on the phone barely. You know, long distance, so maybe that was just an assumption that 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 had to be. It would be. A- Is that his name, Ston? Stan.
0: S T O N N. Ston, it's the Vulcan Stan.
1: Come here, Ston, Lee.
0: <laughs> he, he pulls a fast one on you, he pulls a joke, and he just goes, You've been stoned.
1: <laughs> Set Fatu to ston. Spock, ston <laughs> back for this one.
0: <laughs> oh, God. I want to get to this fight because they land on Vulcan. Oh, it's hot as Vulcan. Now I know what it means. And so they get to this fight, and this fight is just the most ridiculous fight in the world.
1: Well, first what you know, the thing that drove me crazy watching this after all these years again is that they they bring out those little bells. Yes,
0: the little Christmas bells. Chica 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 chica.
1: So and those bells they're maddening. But also in the in the background, there's there's some wind chimes that are that are clinking and it's all as soon as they get the Vulcan for the rest of the episode, you've got this clink, 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 yes. clink, clicking wind chimes. And it's so irritating. And there's like a Vulcan it's distracting. team catcher somewhere off. <laughs> right. It's ridiculous. And is
0: this like a Vulcan? Is this because it belongs to Spock's family. It's been in there for generations. Is this like their weekend barbecue pit? I mean, it's got that weird thing of coals. It's got a gong. What are they doing there? Or is that just reserved for...
1: I think it's reserved for this, this ceremony. Are you saying it the, the, the Spocks own that area?
0: Yeah, he says as much. Oh, This land has been in my family for oh, so many really? generations.
1: I don't know if your version, your modern version of this episode has been updated with new special effects. Mm-hmm. But they try to bring in that, uh, the third movie, The Journey Home. Is that the one where they bring Spock's body back and they have the ceremony?
0: Well, no, the second one, he dies. The third one, right. they bring him back. The fourth yeah. one is the one with the whales. Okay, now are we are going to talk about the fight?
1: Yeah, sorry.
0: Well, we have to bring up Cable Guy, because that's where a lot of people... That's where, again, my wife knows this fight from, is Cable Guy.
1: She first saw it in
0: Cable yeah, Guy? She had no idea what this episode was even about. She just knew it was Star Trek. <laughs> and that's one of the best scenes in that whole movie. Yeah, They have two rounds of fighting. They they start with the Lerpa. That's the big old blade. That's the big blade with the Hershey's kiss at the end.
1: Kirk looks at that thing when they bring it out because they don't tell him there's going to be, he thinks there's just going to be some grappling. Right, right. They're going to tussle. And I'm not sure why Kirk is so willing to jump into this thing, but he does because he should know Spock could kill him by right. now he, with his bare hands. And then they, then they bring out those big old blades mm-hmm. and, and then Kirk has a great response. The look on his face is excellent.
0: Yeah. It's, it is really good. It's funny. You know what? I, Shatner does a good job in this episode all the way around. He's very Shatner in it. Yes. He's the good Shatner. But yes, the Lerpa, which apparently is very poorly made because it only takes like a couple of blows for the blade to come off. And then they try to hit you with the
1: Kershey's kiss. <laughs> but the, the first blow he gets, he rips open his Shatner shirt. Yes. So you get some Shatner pecs with blood all Shatner over nips. Right there. Shatner nips. There's no nips in space. <laughs> How in in God's name are you going
0: to take a swipe with that blade? And this is one of the things that bugs me when they do stupid stuff like this. You're able to cut through the shirt in that way, which if you ever try to cut through a shirt with a knife like that, you know, it's difficult. It makes a nice, clean cut just enough to make him bleed a little.
1: Do you think Spock was like holding back or do you think it was that Kirk was so agile that he was able to just jump right at the edge of the blade?
0: I think his nipples repelled the blade his starfleet nipples i love the names of the, of the right. weapons too especially by Celia Lovsky. say like De combat will continue with the on womb
1: to the death yeah. is is yelled out and then it's like commercial break i wonder what the um i, I was wondering what the commercials were, that they were... <laughs> <laughs> you know that cigarettes like,
0: cigarettes and buicks
1: folgers coffee yeah. and cigarettes and
0: chock full of nuts and Kirk is, is dense here. It's a couple of rocks and he looks at it like, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, seriously, what do you think you're supposed to do with it? Gotta be one of the most ineffectual weapons I have ever seen in any combat situation. It's, it's, it's a ribbon with some rocks at the end of it. Uh,
1: uh like a, uh, uh, <laughs> what do they call those in our world, in our <laughs> earth?
0: <laughs> in our universe, they're called
1: like bolos.
0: But see, a bolo is like, you have three counterweights. You have, like, some rope on there. You throw them. But this, you're supposed to use to whip around. And then there's that remarkably improbable moment where he wraps around his legs and pulls them to the ground. And then he swings it at him, like, you know, I'm going to hit Kirk with these couple of rocks, and that'll take care of it. Especially after the Lerpa. The fact that they start with the Lerpa and go to the Omwomb. Yes. The Lerpa is your your closing
1: act. They didn't know what to do with those Vulcan weapons. So this scene is full of stunt doublery. Yes. And if you look at Star Trek just in general, anytime you move into a wide shot, Mm -hmm. and and probably back in the olden days on the TV, you couldn't see the faces. No,
0: right, exactly. Or the bad toupees.
1: But as soon as they step back, all of a sudden it's a totally different guy. Two guys. Two guys fighting, and this thing is full of these guys knocking each other around and doing stuff that Shatner and... Nimoy should have been able to do
0: do we think that Shatner or Nimoy are in any way impressive physical characters
1: <laughs> yeah but they're not doing anything these stunt guys they're just they're just like grabbing each other and like throwing each other around They're not jumping off of things and doing backflips and
0: no 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 there's been a lot made about Kirk's fighting style too like one of his great moves is just to throw himself at you. (laughs) like He just hurls his whole body at you. I have no expectation that either (laughs) of those two are capable of an action scene. If anything, I would expect Shatner maybe could do some stuff. He could probably do a judo roll or two. God bless Leonard Nimoy. I love Leonard Nimoy, but there's no way I see him.
1: I I think he knew some karate, that Leonard Nimoy. Really? I think so.
0: Okay, you think so because... I have no idea. You're just making that shit up.
1: And and then he has that Vulcan death grip. Yeah,
0: but he's- Pinch his neck. They invented that Vulcan neck grip with the idea that, first of all, Spock wouldn't get physical like that, but also that Leonard Nimoy was like, look, I'm not going to go throwing punches. I'll shoot you with my phaser or I'll pinch your stupid neck, but that's it. (laughs) Kirk's always karate chopping people. I don't know how that works.
1: I like that karate You're probably right. (laughs) Look, Will, I broke a nail. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I just don't see it. I'm sorry. They
0: do a pretty good job editing that in
1: i know but it's just so cheesy now when you see all these actors forget tom cruise people that are like i'll do my own stunts you know, including just fake fighting with people
0: but now you can tell also now they can cgi your face onto someone else's body that's true because i also enjoy buffy the vampire Slayer. As i know you do and if you've ever right. seen sarah michelle galar's stunt <laughs> double they look nothing alike
1: Oh, I've never seen her, but but whenever she jumps into the scene, you can tell all of a sudden Buffy's moving really fast. Buffy's a little more buff.
0: I got a question for you. Yes. Does McCoy carry every possible serum or cure with him in his fanny pack? Or did he just happen to think, you know what? I got a feeling I'm going to need this fake triox compound.
1: You never know what's going to happen down on Vulcan. Do
0: they not have any medical officials on Vulcan? I mean, they're all supposed to be very super smart and logical. Maybe one of the guys with the belts is a physician's assistant or something. He's not going to go over there and say, you know, I don't know this guy's so dead. I'm thinking to look at him and I'm thinking he might be faking.
1: Seeing that scene again, I forgot how it ended. Mm -hmm. I thought at first McCoy was giving him some kind of super strength so he could actually fight. Right, right. Well that's what they say. Right. Which is a funny idea anyways. Like why is that permitted? He gets to have some super strong right. stuff to battle the Vulcan. It seems unfair. Right. When he feigns death or or he actually seems to be dead, you would think they would have done a better job at having an official go over there and take a pulse or, or something.
0: It seems to me there's gonna be a battle to the death. <laughs> Shouldn't someone be certifying this stuff? Is there no paper on, what on you're Vulcan? Saying. Is there no bureaucracy but, on Vulcan? He's dead. Yeah, shouldn't there be some, like, death auditor there, just in case?
1: I wanted to see Kirk kind of look up at McCoy and give him a little wink.
0: Wink!
1: Bugs Bunny. Ain't I a stinker? But it also leads to
0: one of the best exchanges in the whole episode, when McCoy steps up and says, Is this fucking chivalry? The air's too hot and thin for Kirk. And Celia Lovesky, in a line that I actually use in my regular life, says... The air is the air. What can be done? And I'm like, yeah. You know, when people say it is what it is, and I always hate that. Yeah. My my is what it is. The air is the air.
1: The influence of Vulcan, I, I feel, is... I, know, I was thinking about the buildings in right. that area, like in L.A., in the Valley and stuff. Right. where The styling was much like Star Trek because the buildings were built sort of in that era. Right. And then the accent is, is seems Israeli or something.
0: Well, I think she's German. Right? That makes sense. That, that accent... Just even as a kid, I was so fascinated with that accent. I was a little perturbed later on when I'm like, if that's her accent, shouldn't that be like all the Vulcan's accents? I mean, she's from like North Vulcan or something. Why doesn't Spock talk like that? Which would be amazing. That would be <laughs> excellent. And you know what? She's the only female character with the exception of a who's a troublesome character. Anyway, she's the only female right. character who is not treated like complete trash in this whole episode.
1: Yeah, I was surprised to see that, you know, putting a female character into that position as leader. Right. Or- well, and
0: Kirk even says, I mean,
1: she rejected
0: the Federation Council, and she's all of Vulcan in one package, and she totally cuts through the bureaucracy with Admiral Comack. right? And, and they're just like, oh, yeah, thank God. So T'Pau called and scared the hell out of everybody, especially the way they just humiliate the two main women in their nurse chapel who get soup thrown at her at the beginning. And to Pring, who's just right. treated like she is some sort of evil, conniving, leprous monster.
1: That's true. She's mean.
0: Yeah, yeah. And hey, Well, look at
1: how she's setting Spock up.
0: Come And on. Spawn gets that epic burn at the end. In time, you may find that having a thing is not yes. as pleasing as wanting. Does he say having a thing? Not as pleasing as wanting. Dude, come on.
1: There's another nurse burn at the end, too. He says, nurse, would you mind, please? Yeah.
0: Yeah, get the hell out.
1: They could be Russians in space. There's no sma- space female doctors yet.
0: No, not yet. But yeah, they treat her awfully. And obviously, when you look at their outfits. Right.
1: Oh, yeah, she's wearing a mini mini skirt. Yeah, and their yeah. hair
0: is all right. up. Yeah, she is a nurse. She cries at the notion of making soup. Would you make me some of that? Okay, soup. Pan far soup. Yeah. I mean, and she's like, oh, God. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 I want to make some soup.
1: What you You wonder what Roddenberry was doing on the other side of the camera? He's like, Ah, I'd like to marry this nurse.
0: <laughs> you gotta uh, wonder what's going on at the Roddenberry home. But you know, uh, Roddenberry was having it on with Michelle Nichols when they were making that show,
1: right? But that wasn't didn't they didn't he marry Barrett after that? Mm-hmm.
0: I know that, but is is that supposed to be emblematic yeah. of the way she was, Gene? I made you some soup. I made you some of that
1: Roddenberry pomique soup. Yes. <laughs> you know, I love that far soup. It's our special thing. It's our special thing, honey. <laughs> don't, don't
0: make it dirty. It's that dirty. But anytime we talk about Star Trek, the original series, even if it's a Spock episode, we are ultimately talking about the most important man in the whole series Captain James Tiberius Kirk, as portrayed by William Shatner.
1: The original. The original. Ca- the OK. That's what I call him, the
0: original Kirk. An amazing, completely unique presentation of a human in space. Never anything like him ever again. I watched that Mirror Mirror episode after I watched, okay. rewatched a muck time when he's the alternate universe Kirk. You could just tell he's just chewing it up and loving it. He's yeah. He's man. like, it's okay, Spock. <laughs> it's just so smarmy and awful. But here he's actually fairly restrained. I mean, he's incapable of being totally restrained. But he's got some great line deliveries. His delivery of when McCoy gives him that triox compound and tells him, you know, try not to die or whatever, and he goes, sound medical advice. That's delivered really well. I've always been impressed by that.
1: Yes, there are some great one-liners.
0: And, you know, DeForest Kelly, God bless him, yeah, yeah, he didn't have much. When he's standing next to Kirk and attempting to act, it really stands out. I mean, DeForest Kelly's acting is basically waving his hands he keeps his shoulders very tight and then he waves his wrist around it's it's very odd you have to pay attention to that again
1: i you know i like i, I always liked him as a kid i liked him and i liked him less in this episode yeah There's something familiar about his, his grumpy manliness seeing him now through the modern lens the
0: filthy racist i am all about scotty it was kirk Scotty,
1: Spock for me. Yeah, were there any other Kirk lines from this episode that you can think of?
0: There is that whole "Why must he die? Why in eight days? Bones well, explain." And then he does this thing where he screws his mouth up, you know. And he's like, "You keep saying that. Are you a doctor or aren't you?" Which, of course, is like a play on that. You know, I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer line or whatever. Right. That's the cliched Shatner. That is a real Shatner performance. What about you? What are your What are your favorite Shatner lines there, Dave?
1: No, I don't have any more, uh, Sorry,
0: I, I do want to make it very clear that this is a test podcast.
1: Testing? Testing.
0: This is our first ever podcast, isn't it?
1: It is. I, I, I've um, never podcasted about Star Trek or anything. Would you like to wrap up with the last couple lines of the episode?
0: I would love to. Please, go ahead. Um,
1: uh, the line in a pig's eye is used at the end. Mr. Spock, you can't tell me
0: that when you saw Jim Alive, you were about to give us an emotional display that would have brought the house down. And that's why he swings his arm. Okay. Brought the house down.
1: And then Kirk, at the end, he says, I mean, this is some old-fashioned stuff. Come on, Spock. Let's go mind the store. And then he goes, okay, I get, Let's go
0: mind the store.
1: Dun, 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 dun,
0: dun,
1: dun. I'll have to do another impression. we will have to cut an impression in. That was no good. Yeah, that was really bad. Spock, Spock, Spock. Spock. Um,
0: I think we're just gonna leave it in just like that. Let's do some. That's, that's Spock, just how Spock, I want that to Spock, be. Spock, Spock,
1: Spock. 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 Do you want to do some um, fighting music on the uh, way out? Yes, up? let's do that. Go ahead. Well, let's do, let's start with the like the the the, the slow kind of. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Ding-a-ding-a-ding. Ding-a-ding-a-ding. Ding-a-ding-a-ding.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, please, thank you for tolerating this. Thanks. And we'll be back. Back back to, uh, what do you call that? Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. Give me some Picard. Give me some Picard. Engage. Engage.
1: <laughs> Engage. Engage. I'll <laughs> have it all put together by the time we do yes, that. Yes, this is going to be... I'll have it all you, Picarded you thought,
0: it up. You this was good? You have no idea what's coming. Oh, Picard, way up. All right. Way up. And uh, live long and prosper. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, oh man. my God. That Whoa. was oh. weird fun. That was weird, <laughs> but fun. Did you, I mean, we sat here with you. They didn't hear us laughing all the way through, but we were here. <laughs> we were here with you, the listener, enjoying it with you. I mean, the energy is really different. Totally different, and not in the best way. Uh, we we definitely have ramped it up. I think we're having more fun now, Andrew. Oh, definitely. I, I'm really chatty in this episode. Yeah, and it's partially because I'm not very chatty and I'm I'm trying to find my way and figure out my place. I I'm sad that I can't do Picard yet at that point. And I gotta tell you, doing the Picard voice and the other voices that we do, from a podcaster's perspective, it makes the thing move a little better, for me at least.
0: No, it's really a lot of fun. I mean and, and now that we're doing it, we have more of a rhythm. It works a lot better. Do you want me to talk tell you tell him what's coming up next time? Because you want to know what's coming up next time.
1: Do I want to know?
0: Do you want me to tell the listener what's coming up next time?
1: Do I don't give a shit. Do whatever you want.
0: <laughs> <laughs> next time we're going to be back in our bullshit with uh, Tin Man. It's an exciting episode where a giant puff pastry threatens to trigger an intergalactic war.
1: Oh, that's what happens. Yeah, that's exactly what it's about. That is episode twenty of season three. We are making our way to the end of the season.
0: Woohoo! Yee!
1: Exactly. Thanks everyone for joining us on a very special episode of STTNG's, not another Star Trek podcast. I am Commander Davey Dave. And I'm Ambassador Andrew, thanking you for taking time out of your only life to enjoy our foolishness. As Captain Kirk said in this very episode, let's go mine the store. No
0: Vulcans in Heat were harmed in the making of this episode. I do not know that to be true. My testicles are blue and inflamed. Shut up, Spock. Just shut up.
1: <laughs> Poor Spock. Jesus Christ. Ugh, enough with the fighting music. Dig-a-dig-a-dig. Let's get back to some bald-headed captain action. Season three
0: of ST Not another Star Trek podcast. And hey,
1: it's Tin Man. Want to see how casual it gets on the non galaxy class starships? Casual, did you see him? He was just kind of like, I I guess when you're in a lesser class ship than a galaxy class ship, you can just take it a little easier. He's like, hey, man, here I am. What's up, Jean Luc? Hey, Riker, what's happening, man? Yo, Rikes. Yo, bro.
0: You can listen to Andrew telling us how he really feels. What a surprise. He's so fucking annoying. And then, listen deeper, dear listener, as Andrew tells Dave he's right. Wait, he does what? Yeah. He doesn't do that. Don't forget I said that. That's crazy. This also goes back to, are Beta Zed's telepathic or empathic, because apparently they are telepathic? God bless it. Well, apparently they are. Then Cap gets real with his empath.
1: And what is it you do around here exactly, Deanna? Deanna. I mean, you're supposed to read people's thoughts and everything, but frankly, you're not that good at it. I'm sorry, Captain. I'll be in my quarters. It's Relaxed Captains.
0: Whoa, whoa, feelings. Psychic energy. And getting real. Oh, so real. All this and somehow more on the next exciting episode of STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. the air is the air what can be done
1: what's the guy that dressed up uh oh, come on you know what the little one that you did the show of the the one they make fun of in the ben stiller movie the white oh, chaka no 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 the white creature with the horn not oh
0: mugato yeah, mugato. yeah
1: Vol... mugato. hey do me a favor can you please read that line again where you say uh mirror mirror starring and make sure you hit goatee spot